1: This week's Fiber for Breakfast brought to you by our platinum sponsor, broadband.money.
0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Fiber Broadband Association's Fiber for Breakfast. We're now in our 10th episode of 2022. But before we kick off, I'd like to thank our sponsors of Fiber for Breakfast, including our platinum sponsor, broadband.money, our gold sponsors, Jonar Tools, Millennium, and mybundle.tv and our silver sponsor STL. On Friday the Fiber Broadband Association held a heavily attended webinar with their friends at NTCA and Cartesian on introducing the Broadband Infrastructure Playbook. This playbook has been an extensive effort over the past four months that involved an exhaustive research of state broadband programs seeking out the best practices we paired those best practices and examples of what states are doing with an extensive deep dive on the IIJA statute. The result is a comprehensive, easy to follow playbook that we believe will be a tremendously useful tool for state broadband offices, state and local, state, local policymakers, and for everyone that plans to participate in building our nation's critical broadband infrastructure for the future. So if you missed that webinar, uh, members can visit the FBA website under events to see the replay. And you can also download a copy of the playbook from our website. So speaking of the IIJA broadband programs, NTI is holding a series of pre-NOFO technical assistance webinars beginning on Wednesday, March 23rd at 2.30 to 4.00 p.m. Eastern to register. You can go to their, the Broadband USA website and look under events. Also, last Thursday, the Senate Commerce Committee advanced Gigi Soames' nomination for the fifth commissioner seat at the FCC with a 14 14 tie vote. This nomination will now go to the Senate floor for a vote. So it appears the FCC will now have a full slate, or I should say, soon have a full slate of commissioners. So, we think that's going to be really important for all the things that have to get done this year. Last week, we also had some other good news for the FCC in that the GAO denied an appeal that challenged the FCC's selection of CostQuest to develop the desperately needed broadband mapping that the states and NTI will rely heavily upon for identifying unserved and underserved locations for broadband infrastructure investments. So, Jim Stigman. The president of costquest will also be one of our speakers at fiber connect 22 in nashville june 12th to 15th so you'll definitely want to be there to hear from him and all the other great speakers Um, i'm also really excited that our series of regional fiber connect workshops will kick off in a few weeks beginning in baton rouge on march 23rd these are going to be one day workshops to help communities prepare for the fiber broadband infrastructure builds so we hope to see you there And Jennifer will put, you can see on your screen and in the chat, um, the registration information for Baton Rouge. And then we have Providence following right after that. Speaking of building out broadband infrastructure, that brings us to the topic of this morning's five for Breakfast. Today, we're gonna be discussing how Tennessee plans economic transformation through broadband infrastructure. You know, a lot of people have been asking me about this new hardware I've been wearing. As i probably should have told you guys about this last week but um yeah i had a little kayaking mishap and um, i fractured um, a vertebrae T- t12 so i'm gonna be stuck in this while i'm healing but i'll be good as new in no time but I, actually taylor i was up in uh, tennessee kayaking up in the obed area so off of potter's falls so so if you're if you're dropping off potter's falls be careful um it does have like a little bumpy ending um so For back to fiber for breakfast. So last week, you know, we had a great session with Kyle Hamilton of MetroNet on how they've overhauled their technology training program and have established MetroNet University. Now this was a great discussion, and we had a lot of follow-up from our audience. You know, it's clear that fiber training is a critical need in their industry. Today we're going to be speaking with Taylor Beatty, the state broadband director for Tennessee, on how Tennessee plans economic transformation through broadband infrastructure. You know, Taylor is responsible for administrating over $400 million of federal funding through the Tennessee Broadband, excuse me, Emergency Broadband American Rescue Plan. She will share how the broadband team at Tennessee Economic and Community Development plans to work with providers across the state to com- com- get communities, households, and businesses connected to broadband. Taylor, Taylor Beattie, um, started at the State Broadband Director and the, at the Tennessee Economic and Community Development in September of 2021. Prior to joining ECD, she worked with our good friend Chad Root at USDA Rural Development, where she was a policy advisor for RUS in Washington, DC. During her time at USDA, she worked on then-Secretary Sunny Perdue's broadband priorities, including the American Broadband Initiative FCC Precision Ag Task Force, and critical broadband infrastructure projects during the COVID-19 pandemic. She's earned a Master's in Agricultural Economics from Texas A&M, and has a Bachelor in Agricultural and Resource Economics from University of Tennessee, Knoxville, called Bowles. Uh, She is originally from East Tennessee, so she's from, from DC back home in Tennessee. With that, Welcome Taylor. How are you doing today?
1: Thank you. I'm doing good. I'm excited to be here this morning um, and just want to take the time to walk y'all through a little bit about where we've been as a broadband program and where we want to go. So if it's okay, I'll go ahead and get started. Perfect. Thank you. So I just wanna give a good 30,000 foot view um, recap on where we've been in terms of our broadband program here at the state level. Um, In 2017, our state legislature um, passed the Tennessee Broadband Accessibility Act and that really jump started a lot of work in the broadband space um, in our state. Of course, providers were already working on broadband, but in terms of a state-led effort to invest in broadband infrastructure, um, the Broadband Accessibility Act is really what started that. Um, this is a couple of big things um, in our state in terms of investment and deregulation. Um, created our state broadband program, the Tennessee Broadband Accessibility Program, um, but also um, focused a lot on deregulation and some of those statutory changes um, that our state really felt were needed to be able to um, deploy broadband across our state. Um, That included allowing electric co-ops and munis into the game here in our state. Um, And we've seen, and, and I'll talk about this a little bit too, they've also just stepped up um to the call across our state and been able to um, apply for these funding um, opportunities as well so um we'll talk about that a little bit as well um in 2018 we had our first year of our broadband accessibility program that first year um our state authorized 10 million dollars for the program which at the time felt like a ton of money at the state level Um, we were really excited about it Um, and a lot of opportunity to invest. We had a really successful program that first year, um, so much so that the next year, our state legislature said, great, how about $15 million? And then in 2020, how about $20 million? And we, of course, I wasn't here at the time, but I imagine they were saying, yeah, that's awesome. We'll take it. Um, And then not to surprise to anyone um, listening in that in 2020, um, the pandemic hit, and i was actually at rus at the time so i was working on it from the federal perspective but you know our state really much like all other states in our country and on the federal level really realized this need for connectivity um and really that the problem was even larger than maybe we even thought it was um and not even just us that were involved in the broadband space but folks on the periphery that said hey you know folks in our school system don't have broadband or um, you know all across our state don't have broadband so in uh, 2020 with cares act funding um, we received a substantial amount there and if you'll go on to the next slide I'll go ahead and talk through that just a little bit Um, but what was has been really neat for us and and I'm of course today going to talk about the historic amount of federal funding um, that's gone into our program but what I really want to drive home is kind of some of these lessons learned that we've had um, in Tennessee and some of the success that we've had. Um, First of all, it's just that since 2018, we've been able to invest in both our federal funding through CARES Act and in our state program. um, 120 million dollars, which is pretty good for a state program. We've done really well here. Um, and we've been able to make broadband service available to 140,000 Tennesseans in 64 counties. We have 25 counties across our state. Um, and as you can see, um, if you're able to to look on the slide deck, that, that ranges well across our state. We've had a lot of success here. And I mentioned um, some of those statutory changes that made broadband deployment more accessible to multiple providers. Our state has maintained um, both provider and technology type neutrality, which has really allowed um, providers to work on solutions that work for those communities, depending on those types of needs. So, we've had a wide variety of partners um, that are providers participating in our program and a wide variety of technologies as well. Um, but, really, what I want to drive home thus far is just that our program has been very successful. Um, but we've learned a lot of great things along the way. And so I'm going to talk about that as well. Um, but what I really want to talk about first is where we are right now. Um, so we received, um, I mentioned on the first couple of slides that our program has been really successful. And like I said, that year we got $20 million, you know, we were jumping for joy, this is great. This is so much funding. Um, and then of course the pandemic hit. And we started receiving the the state funding um, stimulus funds for the American Rescue Plan as well. And our state fiscal stimulus accountability group said, look, we really wanna solve this issue in Tennessee. How can we start that? So what they did is they approved $400 million for our program, which is just a little bit more than $20 million, right? Um, so exciting uh, times for us here in Tennessee. Um, but I want to talk today about that program and what that looks like and how we're trying to deploy these funds on the federal level. Um, I know a lot of states are in a similar boat, or that's forthcoming. So we're really excited to be right there um, in the middle of that with our other states. Um, but wanted to share a little bit about what that's going to look like. So, big thing. Um, Entities that are eligible for this funding are any any entity in our state that is authorized to provide broadband. Um, Really, like I said, what that looks like, we're provider and technology type neutral. So if you can provide broadband in Tennessee, you're one of our providers here, um, or a nationwide provider that can provide in Tennessee, you're eligible to apply for these funds. Um, Like I said, we have $400 million available. In the past, Um, During our normal Tennessee broadband accessibility program, we had a maximum request amount for $2 million. Since we have so much more funding and so much more interest, we decided to remove that max. So um, we're really excited to see what we're going to get on some of these projects. Um, And we also require that projects are completed within a three year contract period in the past that's been two years. Um, But because these projects we anticipate them to be bigger and there's some other challenges like the supply chain issues and things of that nature, we've decided to extend that contract to three years um another thing i'll mention on this is that our application window opened in january and it closes actually next week on the 15th of march at 2 p.m central so if you're interested in applying um, and you haven't started definitely check that out today um, because the time is closing there um i just want to hit on this i know um, there's a lot of information here and and i'll talk through kind of the big points but really what we're looking for is projects that um can provide a minimum of 100 by 20. Um, We've taken the lead of a lot of the federal programs that have made that change. And I'll talk in a minute about what we've adapted to with the changes in the final rule on ARP funding. Um, But really the take home is we need them to be a minimum of 120 but scalable to 100 by 100 where practicable. Um, That's in line with US Treasury's rules. Um, that's something they set, but it's something we concur with because we recognize that that twenty five three is not good internet, um, and we want to make sure that we are adapting to both technology and industry standards um, really, in terms of what's eligible for our program it's those capital only costs. Um, that are incurred in terms of construction installation um, middle mile that is necessary to provide last mile can be included but not middle mile on its own although um, we're excited about the middle mile program that's coming out of the infrastructure um, funding down the road Um, but really capital only is what we're looking for here not operational also want to mention some of the highlights of things that we adapted to in our program in terms of the final rule from US Treasury on the state and local fiscal recovery funds. Um, As I mentioned, we made the change to 120. I know when I was at RUS, um, we were focused on that 25-3 number. um, But we're really excited to have made that change because we know the more funding coming down the pike is going to really focus on that we wanted to be forward thinking there. Um, With that Said, I do want to also mention we want to continue to give priority to those areas that have 253 and below or 10 1 and below. Um, really those areas that don't have any connection or are severely underserved. So in our point process we're actually going to give some priority points there if a majority of those um, areas that are submitted to us are 253 and below or 10 1 and below. Um, Another thing I'll mention in terms of our program, and I think what has been really appreciated on the provider side and the applicant side is that our program, the shape files that they submit to us or the eligible areas or proposed service areas they submit are not bound to a census block or certain census blocks they can draw really draw those geographic areas and that allows us to capture more areas in our state um, and to avoid some of those kind of mapping concerns that we have widespread about you know one home being served in a census block and that knocking the entire census block out. Um, We do allow for providers to challenge um, the 477 data so if it says that the area is served and they believe it's not or they own the polls and they know it's not, they're welcome to submit that supplemental evidence to us and we can um, do any necessary validations there. Um, On the adoption side, we're also um, in accordance with the final rule, we're requiring our applicants um, or grantees that get awards from us to participate in the Affordable Connectivity Program or a commensurate program. If they want to create their own program that meets those same points, they can do that as well. Um, A couple of just highlights I want to mention in the scoring, what we look for at our state program. Um, We look for the need for grant funding. What are the odds that this is going to be served without grant funding um, or any other program? Um, that's that's counted there. We look for leverage and matching funds. If they're getting any locality support, if this is part of a bigger build, um, they can submit that as well. Um, of course, scalability and affordability um, and implementation. Really, the big areas I want to hit on that we've noticed over the years that make a huge impact in, a, in an applicant um, is the community or are they community and economic impact section. So what what um, is this going to provide for this community if they're served with broadband the adoption section of course with um, the COVID-19 pandemic we know that it's not enough sometimes just to invest in the infrastructure side we want to know that our providers are thinking creatively about how to get those take rates up and how to get folks to adopt to the infrastructure um, into the technology and then also community support Um, you know if Folks can provide surveys or um, letters of support and things like that. That a lot of times makes a huge difference in their application. Um, I'm going to go into the broadband ready section a little bit in depth in a moment. But I'll mention just that we look for counties that are or are, are projects in counties that are supportive of broadband deployment. And I can go a little bit more in detail on that in a moment. That's something um, that we mentioned actually in the it uh, was captured in the playbook um that you guys have just about what we do there um, but that's really important for us um, in addition tennessee is in a unique position where on one side of the state a lot of our counties are in the delta regional authority area and then on the other side of the state and part of the central part of the state we have a lot of counties in the appalachian regional commission so we focus a lot on county level designation Um, so if a county is distressed or at risk right now we have nine distressed counties of our 95 and that has gone down significantly in the last couple years Um, but if your county is distressed or at risk you get some priority points in this process as well so I wanted to hit on this especially because it was an infrastructure playbook um, that um, you guys did and I was able to talk to your team a little bit about what we do. Um, but broadband-ready communities is something that we do here in the state, like I said, to designate that a county has really had that conversation, that they are really excited and supportive of broadband deployment. and that. Um, spans a lot of different things from the permitting side to making sure there's no necessary um, unnecessary regulations or holdups there to also just being willing um, to hear a provider's case if they're asking for support Um, all of those different pieces of the puzzle go into a broadband ready community and so in our state we have 54 of our 95 counties are broadband ready communities and then we also allow political subdivisions to apply so we have about 10 of those Um, I anticipate in the next couple weeks with our application closing we'll have this number increase Um, but really what I want to say also in case this is helpful to your state or if you're a provider in another state and want to make this suggestion um, our website has a sample ordinance um, for counties and localities to fill out in our state and then a form stack form where they submit it. And really it's, it's very simple. It's a resolution that the county passes and they just input their information in there. And really it just says, hey, this is who we are. We're supportive of broadband. We know this is a problem. And we wanna work really hard to make sure that our county and our community and our businesses are served with broadband. And we're willing to work with providers to be able to do that. Um, it demonstrates that that conversation has been had. Um, And we allow an additional 10 points in their application um, for providers who apply in a broadband-ready community. So it's really an incentive both to the county to get their folks served, but also to the providers to have that conversation with the county. But this is one thing that's been really successful for us. It's not um, a huge, like, doesn't take a lot of capacity to do uh, from our broadband team but it's been really helpful for us to have those kinds of conversations and when i'm out in the community meeting with mayors and commissioners and providers the first thing i always ask when they're asking about applications and deployment is are you a broadband ready community if you're not let me tell you how you can do that because it really helps streamline that process for them and make sure that they're connecting all of those dots Um, the other thing i just wanted to mention here um, is our mapping pro- our ma- mapping project that we have going on um, we are working with connected nation to do a state map this is a recommendation um, at the state level and we recognize I know um, you guys had chat on a few weeks ago and he mentioned this as well as I'm sure most people do if I were for breakfast that the mapping challenges are, Um, particularly fun on the state level when you're trying to figure out what's served, what's not served, how big is the problem, how much is it going to cost us um, to invest in. And and it really keeps us from being able to make the most informed decisions. So we really wanted to work on the state level to create a state map so that it would help both us and our state legislature make those informed decisions. We're working with Connected Nation on this. Um, as you can see, this is just a picture, it's not a picture of Tennessee, um, but this is a kind of a, a copy of what they've done in um, some other states. And our timeline, we actually started last summer and Connected Nation has been gathering the information from providers. Um, this spring, we're gonna have a draft map out for public comment. Um, and they can share, hey, this is served, this isn't served. Um, Of course, we invite the community um, to participate in that process as well because it's open to everyone, but it's really designed for providers to share what is and isn't served um, in their areas. And then this summer, we hope to release a final map that we can use moving forward for our program. Um, So we're really excited about that, it's going to be a really helpful tool for us to have and we've been really enjoying working with Connected Nation on that project. And then if you'll go to the next slide, almost done, just a couple more points here. I mentioned the mapping project, Um, it'll be available soon. Um, Adoption funding is another thing we're working on. We have quite a bit of adoption related funding um, through the ARP. Um, funding here at the state level and we're expected to share some guidelines. um, A little more about that this fall, but what we're really focused on is making sure that where we've invested and even just statewide where investments have been made, and just in general, that we're making sure that providers and communities have a plan in place to get folks to actually adopt to that infrastructure and that technology Um, we know that investment is a big piece of the puzzle but it's not the only piece of the puzzle so we want to make sure we're being forward thinking about that Um, also want to mention the infrastructure investment and jobs act so we know through the bead funding we're going to get a minimum of 100 million dollars but it could be significantly more than that. We just don't know and we won't know until those new FCC maps come out later this year. So we're really excited about that and we're being really forward thinking about how we can make any changes or possible changes to our program um, that are needed to respond to that. Um, But we're really excited about that funding as well. And then if you'll go to the last slide, I just want to hit on what we want to do here in Tennessee Um, and there's a couple points of this one I mentioned this the infrastructure piece is a a big piece of the puzzle it's not the only piece of the puzzle but it drives a lot of our goals for economic development Um, I you know my office our broadband office is housed in Tennessee economic and community development so it's really important for us to have that outlook, and I come from an economic background, so I've always got that outlook, but I think it it makes sense for us to remember that broadband is a key driver to economic and community development, and when we're connecting um, folks and communities and we're actually building out that infrastructure, we're enhancing a lot of those economic indicators from quality of life, business development, economic development. So really I know Governor Lee here in Tennessee, really he's he's got a quote about connecting all four corners of the state of Tennessee and that's something that I try really hard in this role to remember day to day, I probably say that multiple times a day, we're here to connect all corners of Tennessee. So that's the big piece, the infrastructure goal. We want to connect all corners of the state of Tennessee. The second piece is we want to create an environment for long-term broadband adoption and digital literacy. So once folks are connected, we want to know that they have the skills and the knowledge and resources they need to use that technology. And that drives all the other economic indicators like education, community development, workforce development. Um, here in Tennessee and coming from the economic and community development side, we know that we've got a lot of opportunity here in Tennessee um, with um, the mega sites we've been developing and the opportunity for jobs to come to our state and companies to come to our state. And we can't, just think that everyone's going to be right there on site. They're going to want to work from home, or they're going to want to work for a company outside of the state from their home in rural Tennessee. And we want to make sure that that's possible. And so what does that require? It requires us to both connect all corners of our state and to make sure that they have the resources they need for digital um, and broadband adoption. So I'm really excited, like I said, to be here today and to answer any questions that you have about that. Um what I really want you to take away is that yes, I'm new. I'm not new to broadband, I'm new to state government here in Tennessee, but I'm excited about it. And I want folks to be excited about what we're doing here in Tennessee and how, like I said, and like Gary said, how we want to transform our state economy by making sure that we're getting folks connected to broadband internet. So with that, I'm happy to answer any questions that you have.
0: Taylor, this is super exciting and uh really glad that you're in Tennessee. Uh, back home. But, you know, when talk to like, you know, some of your um, residents some, like Keith Gabbard from uh, PRTC, you know, talking about his little one stop like town and how they created 1200 new jobs with their fiber. And, you know, that's, um, you know, the kind of jobs that you can create are really I mean, these are you know his example were guys from Facebook that can move from Silicon Valley to now live in eastern Tennessee and afford to have their own home you know, so they have that great quality of life, but also be able to have those, you know, nice high paying jobs. So that's amazing. Can you start with just um, what what is the, the size and structure? I mean, I, I love how you're in the um, community and economic development department, because I always think of broadband is not about a piece of glass, but it's really about jobs, economic development, and really advancing the quality of life.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, were you talking about the Size and structure of our broadband team, or did yeah, broadband mean?
0: team. Yeah. Like okay, when sorry. I talk about other yep. broadband teams, I got like yep. one or two people, uh, Absolutely. So
1: yep. So um, it's actually there's two of us, or there's two positions right now. It's just me. Um, we're we're hiring a new um, broadband grants manager um, position, but yes, right now it's just me. Historically, there's been two positions, um, and and we hope that possibly one day we might be able to grow. Um, but right now there's just two of us. Um, as you can imagine, there's a lot, a lot happening um, for two of us. But like I said, we're we're really excited um, about the work that we're doing, and um, hopefully I'll get a new grants manager here soon. So it'll be good. With
0: the, with the um, planning money from NTIA, does um I don't know if you're, is there a way for your state legislator to um, appropriate more money for your staff and and because you're going to have, you know, up to $5 million that can going to be coming your way, right?
1: Yep, that's a good question. Um, so I know, I, I don't have the answer for that. But I do know that's something that as we get some new guidance from them, I think in May, I believe is when we're supposed to get some more information from NTIA on how that planning money can be used. Um, I think that's definitely something that we'll we'll look into. and And also, on top of that, figuring out what we can do in terms of any more structured plans for our state. Uh, I know even on the, the BEAD program requiring an extra level of attention to the adoption side, which we're excited about. Um, if there is something we should do in terms of more of a formalized adoption plan in our state, um, that's another piece of that puzzle too. But yes, in terms of staffing, um, I think we'll maybe get some more guidance on that coming. And that's definitely something that we'll talk about here at the state level.
0: Well, hopefully um, our playbook is going to be useful for you. I really appreciate your input on the um, research side of that. And as you saw, you know, some best practices bubbled up from Tennessee. So I'm sure the other state broadband offices are appreciative of what you guys are doing.
1: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: So with that, um, unfortunately, time, are out of time. I'd love to sit and chat with you much longer because you, you've got, you're doing some amazing work and you have a lot of amazing work coming. So we'll, you know, please come to our Fiber Connect conference. You'll see Taylor will be one of our speakers there and her, city of nashville so we'll see that on june 12th through 15th with that taylor just thank you so much really appreciate what you and your team are doing for the communities of tennessee and we want to thank you for sharing your expertise and insights you know with our audience today Uh, so thanks everybody for joining us i look forward to getting back together next wednesday we're going to be discussing broadband latency explained from my very good friend dr doug sicker who's the executive director of BTAG? that's the Broadband Internet Technology Advisory Group. But he's also a former FCC CTO and a former NTIA CTO, and currently the head of engineering and public policy at Carnegie Mellon. So you're not going to want to miss that. So we'll see everybody again next Wednesday.